Welcome to Concerning the Spiritual in Art, a podcast exploring spirituality, consciousness, and the creative process. I'm your host, Martin Benson. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I have a super special episode for you today with artist Sahaya Sharma, who's based in New Delhi. Um, We had a powerful conversation around spiritual practice, healing, um, talking about her journey as an artist and her journey as as a, a spiritual practitioner and pranic healer and how that plays into the kind of work she's making and also sort of how she's evolving as an artist and using sort of various tools and mediums and explorations outside of just paint, uh, playing with textiles, even painting on furniture. Um, and it was just a really rich conversation about not only like some pretty deep, specific spiritual practices and terminology that we discussed based on like chakras and sort of metaphysical components to uh, Eastern wisdom traditions, especially Vedic and yogic traditions, which is a big part of sort of her cultural background and part of what is driving sort of her life in a lot of ways, which is her spiritual practice and how that's influencing her as an artist. Um, But we also talked about art in general and sort of the creative process and what it means to be sort of a channel for these higher frequencies of energy that can come through us into the work that we make and sort of what role that might play in our culture and how that might influence others. And also talked about some pitfalls in in spiritual practice and how we can kind of get in our own way or how we can be sort of preachy or overly zealous about the kinds of things that we're experiencing and trying to get other people to experience them too. And sort of how we have to step back into our sort of lives in such a way that we can just embody and live these ideas and experiences in a way that they can impact people in very subtle ways or sometimes very immediate and direct ways. So it's a really a sort of well-rounded conversation about art making, spiritual practice and, and creative process and um, and how that influences our current world culture. Um, And so it's just a beautiful exchange. We had to end a little bit earlier because she's on vacation in Thailand with a bunch of her friends and family. But I could just tell that uh, Sahai and I could talk forever about these things. There was a really deep resonance between the two of us. And so I hope you're going to feel that energy exchange uh, today in this conversation. Um, So enjoy the episode, y'all. Sahaya Sharma. All right, Sahaya, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing over there in Thailand today? Good. It's beautiful out here. And I'm yeah. I feel like even with the backdrop and these Burmese lacquer uh, artifacts behind me, it's like really got like a stage going. So it does. Great. It looks great. So Sahaya's on uh, on holiday right now in Thailand, but you're uh based in Delhi, correct? I am. I'm based in Delhi. Yeah. And based in Delhi. And I came across your work. I can't remember where I saw it. I think it might've been on Instagram. And I saw some of your paintings from your inner alchemy series. And my mind was immediately blown. I was immediately just sucked into them. It was like, I could not control myself, like in terms of having to dive into your work. There's just an incredible power and potency to the way that you're playing with color but form and I could tell that there was like a deep spirituality a spiritual resonance in the work that you're doing 
And I think it would be cool if we start off our discussion today, sort of about spirituality in general and how that sort of seeps into your work and how that influences you, not only as an artist, but in your life. Okay. So I think I'll start by sharing how um, this word transcendent, right? The transcendental feelings are something that I always felt, but I didn't know it had a term to it. So I guess Mm -hmm. like, a way you could talk a way you could see it is like a state of deep relaxation and I remember when we were uh, in school and we would be sitting through really boring speeches um, you know I tell like the girls behind me to draw on my back so they'd be drawing like letters and I would guess it and I remember falling into really deep trances like when they do that and I'm like oh this is so weird okay but and then in college I'm like oh this this feeling has a term and it's called transcendental, you know, or transcendence. And so I knew that, okay, that there's a physical feeling for that. And then I think the word spirituality, essentially like when you break it down, what is it, right? It's, it's spiritual means spirit, spirit as in soul, which is in all of us, right? And the, the, the thing is that we are not the body, we are not the mind, we are the soul, we are the spirit. So um, all my work is kind of channeled towards how do you like, how do you feel the light by looking at color? So essentially when I'm playing with color, I'm playing with, um, I'm almost playing with frequency. So Mm. when colors are around me, I'm not seeing, oh, this is a blue, this is a green, and this means this and this means that I'm only working with uh, vibrations of what's hitting my eye. So something interesting is like a gray can actually also become a mauve, right? If it's put mm-hmm. against a certain color. So yeah. I'm totally working with frequencies. And um, I think coming back to this feeling of transcendence, right? That you feel in your body. I try to kind of channel that and like, let the viewer kind of see it through my work. Uh, yeah, but you can, can you be more specific with questions? Because like my entire journey is like, it's Oh, crazy. no, no. This is a great way to start. Yeah. I think it's there's true. so many things that you said that I want to like go back and touch on. Like even just touching on that initial experience of, yeah. you know, your friends yeah. playing letters like drawing letters on your back and you getting into this almost like meditative like state of concentration because you're trying to figure out what it is they're doing but in that concentrated state of mind there is a feeling that came out that sort of felt like what you describe as transcendent and so it's super interesting how like your focus on something so seemingly arbitrary like playing games in class because you're bored kind of initiate initiated you into like a different level of your consciousness and then that just sort of seemed like it was a downstream effect where it just kind of opened a portal in you and now you've been exploring that since have you always been making art has that always been something a part of your life always been making art so much so like when people ask me like when do you when did you start I'm just like oh my god like I don't have a cool <laughs> story behind it you know I think it's yeah, something yeah. That came so naturally to me like when I was mm-hmm. like two or three and every kid starts out an artist right and then of course yeah you, like pursue it and um I think it's something that 
as I said, like colors speak to me so strongly and deeply. Yes. When I'm around my um, material or just, I, I can't stop. Like I can create mm-hmm. so much work and very quickly also. So it's just, yeah. it's not, yeah, it's pretty Well, fast. I love that. I, th- I love how you're describing like, relationships of color with frequency because that really is how we see color they're wavelengths at the end of the day it's light reflecting off of surfaces and various waveforms that generate the impression of a certain color and those frequencies have or have vibrations have certain sort of impact on us not only on our bodies but on our consciousness as well and i love how you sort of talked about you know we're not the body we're not even like this certain part of the mind, but where this spirit, this kind of essence that's sort of encased so by prayer. all these elements. The mm-hmm. Soham, do you know the prayer? Soham. Soham? Yeah, S-O-H-A-M. So it goes uh, yes, like, yeah, the mantra yeah. Soham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not the body, I'm not the emotions, I'm not the thought, I'm mm-hmm. not the soul. Uh, exactly. It's really yeah, like- and And it's interesting, you know, because I'm a Western person growing up in the West and I've been drawn to Eastern spirituality, especially Vedic culture and yogic tradition. And you grew up in the East within that culture. And I would, I'm making an assumption, but did you grow up like strict Hindu? Was that a big part of your upbringing in terms of your family? Or like, did you have like a religious, like a strong religious connection or is it more broad so i think that when i was growing up i i guess it's like your influences around you they play a big role so my uh, grandmother was very spiritual in the, in the sense like even her sense of art or artifacts were always very um you know like rooted in the vedic culture or just mm-hmm. like the indian culture in terms of you know the, the paintings or the sculptures or the textiles um, and she used to go to Vrindavan. Vrindavan is like the home of Lord Krishna, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, she'd come back with like Lady Krishna um, drawings, not drawings, like those frames, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember like sleeping with the Krishna like frame under my pillow for the longest time, just because I knew it meant something to her. So I almost mm-hmm. looked at it like a, like a talisman, right? Yeah. And then like when aunts would wear, it's funny, like when they would wear like crystals around their neck, I was just drawn to it naturally, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I would, uh, yeah, so I think there was, I was drawn to, you would say like spiritual things from a very young age. And then my mother, um, I think there's like, there's a history there because like she, um, you know, topped Delhi University in philosophy. So she comes from a very philosophical bent of mind. Um, yeah. but pregnant when she was pregnant she had um she used to read the Bhagavad Gita uh you know so I think all these things like they they do play a role um so my mother and my grandmother are super like spiritual and they're very into uh you know our culture so I think I picked it up from there and then uh, my own journey started in 2014 when I was around 20 and um, I had this massive existential crisis in uh, college you know like you finish art college and you're like yeah. now what like hello, what am I doing <laughs> what am I doing what is my work yeah. about who am I, I, know. I don't know. yes yes and I think that um we basically I think uh, so I practiced something called pranic healing for 10 years and it's uh 
it's it's a school that's founded by Master Chopak Sri. He's have you heard of him? No, I haven't. Okay, so he's from Manila. He used to be a chemical engineer, and uh, then he became a healer, very very powerful healer, and he's a master. Mm-hmm. Um, he's no more now, but he started a school called Pranic Healing. So you've heard of Reiki, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So Reiki is touch healing. But pranic yep. healing is uh, aura healing. You, you work on the aura, on the energy body, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that those uh, 10 years and, you know, those those two years in which I finished all the five courses, um, I swear those were like the best, that was the best entry into like spirituality because when the books he's written are so potent, but they're so simple. So his mm. philosophy was that if, if I'm writing this book and you're five years old, you should be able to understand what I've written. You know, and mm-hmm. so he'd give it, he'd write it, he'd give it to a five-year-old, be like, okay, can you understand? And he'd yeah. be like, oh, okay, then he'd go back, he'd change it again. So he's completely like de-simplified spirituality. Yeah. What is it? What are all the nadis, the channels that run through us, the chakras, what do they symbolize? Um, you know, how are they torn? How are they repaired? How are they, you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean, we can get into that. Like, some cute. Yes, yeah, we should. Yeah which you can come back to. Um, so 10 years was that. And then um, in 2022, um, I moved towards Isha Foundation. So that's uh, Sadhguru's uh, inner, yep. yeah, uh, inner engineering. And um, the reason I switched was because I kind of realized that the, I, I mean, it's not this is better or that is better. I think when you evolve as a person, um, sometimes your practice needs to also evolve. And sometimes it's really complicated to really simple or really simple to complicated. I think it just kind of moves and you have to move with that fluidity within you, right? Yes. So, um, so what happened was that the practice then became more about just the breath, om chanting, and there was more stillness in the practice, which mm-hmm. I liked because I kind of realized that if you can control your breath, you can control your mind right um mm. that's the crux actually because the breath is the bridge between the outside and the inside 100 percent. oh yeah if there's no breath there's yeah. nothing right there's nothing it's it is ground zero for life for us <laughs> totally yeah yeah so um yeah now i'm practicing that i also think a big thing that the isha foundation gave me was a very strong sense of community um mm-hmm. a lot of people who are my age a little older age doesn't matter on this journey but I still feel at some level it does because um mm-hmm. it helps you bridge your earth's life with your spiritual life you yes. know so much so I visited Mount Kailash in September last year which was like cannot incredible even, I can imagine yeah, I mean, cannot even like tell you what like in words what yes of course there's and no way right? on the path, so you know you know that it's like yeah. And I mean, I see images of Mount Kailash and I'm yeah. just like blown away. Um, one day I hope to make it over there um, for it'll sure. Come, it'll come, you know, that was also calling for me. It was, um, I, I I just keep getting dreams of Kailash. So I saw the image once and I felt like this profound longing to just visit mm-hmm. it. Then it kept coming in my dreams and I made about three to four paintings. And after three years, because this happened in the pandemic, after three mm-hmm. years, I finally visited. And it was, I mean, th- there's actually an electromagnetic field around um, Kailash. It's called Kailash Shetra. And when I was in the helicopter, um, I felt it right at my chest, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, I had goosebumps everywhere. My eyes welled up, and it's there. So these people say that you know when you go to the mountain, you start crying. But for of me, course. cry. But I felt it when I was in the air. So mm, when you were above it, kind of yeah. feeling the field around it. Exactly. This is amazing to hear your journey, how you sort of got into your spirituality because you've you're obviously brought up in a very rich culture that spirituality is all around you all the time through your mother, through your grandmother. Um, but that it was like an embodied experience that really initiated you into it. And I think that's something that's very important, especially in this modern world. I think reading sacred texts are very important. Understanding intellectual frameworks and philosophical ideas are really important as well. But if these experiences aren't embodied, if you can't have a firsthand sort of connection to it through an experience in your mind and your body, it starts to just live in the intellectual space. Mm-hmm. And so that makes sense to me that like through the pranic healing training, learning about how to connect with your energy body and then how to also help connect with others, energy bodies is sort of what helped open more and more portals inside of you to connect to these mm-hmm. subtle, subtle spaces um, that sort of transcend intellectual frameworks, rationality, um, but are so potently present when you're attuned to them. And I think that your advice about like, or not your advice, but more of like your anecdote about how your practice goes through these phases of really complex to really simple, mm-hmm. to really complex to really simple, resonated deeply with me on my own spiritual journey, um, going through phases where I try to strip away a lot of a lot of the sort of excess practices and just focus on like stillness, concentration or breath work. Um, and then I go back into like deep prayer and chanting and mantra and uh, other sorts of rituals. And it kind of comes and goes in these really interesting cycles in my life. So I felt like a real resonance Mm -hmm. with sort of how you were expressing that. Mm -hmm. And something I'm curious about, because when we talk about like the energy body, the aura, what's so fascinating in the time period that we're alive in is that like quantum physics and science are starting to pick up on these subtle fields of energy that are all around us understanding that like the heart itself emanates a field of magne- electromagnetic energy that can be registered by various scientific tools so a lot of these things that maybe have felt woo woo or sort of out there for other people who are really connected to the hyper rational logical space they're starting to be like oh there is something going on here so i think we live in a very special time where I think it's part of our duty in some ways to find healthy ways of translating the wisdom traditions of old into the modern world, into the world that we're living in. And I see sort of what you're doing through your art making as a form of that. You know, you speak about pranic healing, and I think art is a form of pranic healing in some way. Uh, Certain types of artworks can really create not only an experience of healing, for others, for viewers, but for the artists themselves. Has this been your experience, like making the work, like starting to like come out of those spaces, like you were speaking, where you get in these existential crises and you're trying to find your way. And then all of a sudden you are finding your way. And now you're learning how to channel that confidence and also that 
um, that sense of connectivity through the work that you make. Do you find like a sense of healing in what you're doing? And is that part of your motivation for making the work? I think like there's definitely a sense of healing, but I think initially it was just the sense, the act of creation that was very addictive. In, mm-hmm. It's a good thing to have, right? And I think it's yeah. something that you would like relate to. Um, so I, as I said, like I've been doing it since I was three. So I can't even say, oh, this, yeah, there have been moments, there have been life altering, career altering moments in my life. But um, I think that what, and, and I, I should just always keep creating, you know, I never like step back and said, okay, where you, where's this going? Where do you want it to go? What are you actually feeling? So I think at some level, I was also covering up my own insecurities or into the work where I didn't want to, <laughs> I'm such a workaholic that I didn't want to feel what I'm uh, feeling, but I would mm-hmm. just constantly channel. So yes. I, because you understand, like it's also creation, right? So in yeah. a sense, mm-hmm. it has to be some sense of desire that's creating the creation. Exactly. But, yeah. So I think that uh, I'm in a space where actually I'm on a cross at a crossroad right now where textile is entering my practice. So mm-hmm. it's almost like I'm making room for the new. And um, that's making me question a what kind of textile? Is it mine? Is it something I've sourced? Is it something I've found? Is it something I've bought? Uh, then there are the colors. Is it like printed? Is it dyed? Is it? Uh, you know yeah is it printed or is it dyed um block printed different uh, techniques so I think that um to answer your question yes 100% it's a healing for me uh, under paintings or under the process I always try and put in some sort of anecdote as to what I was thinking about because essentially it's abstract it's not like there's a there's a face and there's a story there's storytelling yeah. through images it's more storytelling through um, I think frequencies you know I and yes. a lot of people like when they see my work they're like you know we don't even understand abstract art but your work speaks to us it's because I'm mm-hmm. the speaking to you know their their soul essentially yes um which is very powerful but at the same time like they have to be two entries into a work right it's either uh visual or it's intellectual mm-hmm. or, or emotion, slash emotional so yes yeah, so I really do try and get that angle, the, you know, the writing. There's a lot of reflection yeah. that goes on. Um, my own healing either will show or it won't. Sometimes it, like very big life events, would not creep up when I'm going through it because it's a way mm. of me preserving myself as a human being, right? Because as an artist, right. you're like, you're, it's your profession, it's your identity, it's everything in one, correct? So mm-hmm. I think... That, there are many times that when, when very big life events happen, I don't directly address it through my work. It's more through my own inner journey. And it'll like it'll be written in my notes and then like take a like have a comeback down the line, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So no, I think it's I I love how you're saying like the different ways we enter in artwork. And one thing that's interesting, your work is abstract, but you also are playing, obviously color is a huge component and value and texture, the way that you're building up the images with these sort of layers. But the geometry is also something that's really interesting for me as well. And that relates a lot to frequency. You know, when we think of 
the chakras and sort of how they're illustrated. Like we have various geometries, like the thousand petal lotus, the Sahasara chakra, right up here. And then you have the, uh, the upward and downward facing triangles intersecting at the heart mm -hmm. chakra and like the different ways that we express is there's geometries there. I think of also like the Sri Yantra, like the geometry of that. So I see some of that influence in your work as well. Have you been studying the sort of those geometric traditions and those symbols or really like frequency signatures and have those in, gone into your work intuitively or like intentionally? Okay, so that's a really interesting observation on the series. Um, and also because you know the history, you can kind of, you know, you get mm -hmm. the says and everything. Um, in 2021, when the Delta wave hit, right, I used to um, just walk around the house and I'm like, okay, what's happening? And, you know, I, I could tell like there's such a shift, not only globally, but even in sides, my insides were shifting and changing and everything. Mm -hmm. um, earlier, my my uh, choice of, um, what do you call it? Um, was always landscape, not portrait. My composition mm -hmm. paper. Yeah. So I would, what happened was that I suddenly like the image of the triangle kept coming to me again and again and again. And I'm like, what, what triangle? Why triangle? Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And I think that at that time we couldn't leave the house, right? So it was all, the only way we could escape was like if we look at the sky. Right. Wow. So the sky, sky became everyone's escape or playground, right? Because there was like this crazy riot of colors, and in Delhi, there is the pollution so bad. So we got really lucky, you know, because we were seeing like crazy colors at every sunset. And I said, okay, this is amazing. And so we couldn't escape like this, you know. And that kind of played out in the orientation of my work, not for mm -hmm. not going landscape. Went, you know, it went vertical, it went um, portrait. And um, I remember, like, it, it just kind of came to me intuitively again. Like, I would just keep layering triangles or layering shapes. So, essentially, if you if you study the inner alchemy series, they're not uh, they're not perfectly geometrical. So, mm -hmm. they're they're parts which are uh, you know some are in four. Um, some are more uh, gross, then some are more subtle. And I've played with the gross and the subtle in that yeah. scene very, very strongly. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's so I was studying um, the Sri Rudram, which is basically a part of um, the uh, Krishna's Yajurvid. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. like a, it's an ode to uh, Shiva. So this mm -hmm. divided into two parts. It's a Namakam and the Chamakam. And uh, I spent like 69 days just like learning, you know. It was in Hindi and then um, I take notes in English. Uh, just I'm more fluent in that. Not so proud, but eventually I want to learn Sanskrit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was telling us about the Jyotirlings, you know, the 12 Jyotirlings in India and how mm -hmm. they appeared as intense form of uh, devotion towards Shiva. So there's a series on that uh, in the collection. Then there's a see. Then I was challenging myself and I said, okay, how can I get, um, how can I play with just one color, use of one color? Because usually my paintings have many, many layers going on. 
So mm-hmm. and I did amethyst, which was all purple, use of purple. Mm-hmm. I love that one. I'm gonna flash that one up right here as you're talking about it in the video. <laughs> and then there was uh, there was uh, amethyst and there was ruby, which is all red, and uh, um, emerald, which is all green, green and blue sapphire, which is all blue. And when I make, like till date, I think those are my most powerful works. Um, mm. Because they're very intense, you know, and they yes. kind of, and you get the intensity. I think they're so intense. They cannot, personally, I don't think they're made for the home. They're actually almost mm. like made for like a temple or a shrine mm-hmm. or, a, uh, you know, like maybe if you want it for commercially, like more in hotel lobbies or. Yeah. Not, yeah. Because they're very, very intense. And mm-hmm. um, I think that they were. So, so essentially what you're doing is you're hitting a certain frequency again with those colors, right? Because you're only working yep. in of those colors. So actually, if you see yep. Ruby, there is, um, there was a reference to the Sri Yantra and, mm-hmm. you know, the and I remember when I, when I made it, I felt very grounded, even though there was not much activity, we couldn't go out. We couldn't, um, I, I just felt so rooted being home, um, mm-hmm. and just being married. So, you know, in my new life and I said, okay, this feels so whole and full. And then I remember when I was making Emerald, um, I used to chant the Hare Rama, Hare Krishna on mm-hmm. and I'd walk in nature a lot those days because again, we were all in lockdown and, uh, you know, that kind of translated then. And then blue was my preoccupation with like the color blue. I'll come back to how a color can impact you so much. Yeah. Uh, fun anecdote on that one. Um, and then there's, Amethyst, which is again, it's my favorite color. So it was like going back home, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but coming back to your question, there wasn't a direct. So what I essentially do is like say I'll read about like you know the Vedic culture. I'll read about you know I'll read stories. I'll read texts. I'll do research on the net. This that. But when I'm creating work, and I'm sure you can relate to this, it's not that this is the concept and then this is the creation, right? Mm-hmm consume it you let it brew you let it sit and then you create something right like Mm -hmm. which is coming from it's a mix between subconscious conscious it's not it's not like this is it you know exactly yes that feeling yeah yeah i mean this comes back to what you talked about earlier with frequency and when we think about if we want to get into sort of the um subtle body system especially within yogic tradition vedic tradition the chakras you have a color for the various chakras right yeah. like the red the you're talking about groundedness the muladhara chakra like roots and yeah. like deep connectivity to like survival and em- embodiment like bodily sort of autonomy, like all these sort of components that come into. And then as you go up, the frequency changes. We look at like the spectrum of the rainbow, no matter where you go, the rainbow spectrum is the same. It doesn't change. There is, you know, there is a perfect sequence to how the frequency of a wavelength changes as it becomes higher and higher frequency, the colors shift from the lower frequency of red to the highest of violet. Um, and so like when we look at the amethyst, I think it does point to like these like higher levels of energy. I think of the crown chakra. I think of tra- of like ultimate transcendence or like moksha, like achieving liberation. Um, and it's like we're on this journey of of growing. And so I love like looking at that series because I think each one is sort of illustrating this space 
yeah. on that journey, that ascent, ascent up through the crown chakra into liberation, so to speak, enlightenment, I've whatever we want to call it. I've done four. I think I should do three more. Yeah, I mean, bring in you bring in the orange and the yellow um, as oh, well. Orange, yellow, and like a blue turquoise. Yeah, exactly. Kind of a green blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you have the indigo for the Ajna chakra for your third eye. And also, it's yeah. very interesting. All the chakras have yantra, uh, mantras to them, beach mantras. Exactly. Mantra, right? And yeah, their seed, seed mantra. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they are on yeah. own. So when I made that, and actually that has the least detailing, it took me the least time, but mm-hmm. the color and just, you know, where I had put the highlights and the round circle, I, yeah. the, the influence was so apparent there, like the pineal. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, the pineal. Yeah. Oh, the pineal gland. Yeah. Pineal, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, the third eye, I mean, like it was all in one. So I guess like, that also goes to show like how at some level there's certain chakras that you relate to so much more and mm-hmm. you've connected with so much more intellectually and emotionally and 100%, uh, yeah. so, so uh, before the pandemic like I was very strong-willed I'm still pretty strong-willed but what's interesting is like so the, the two centers that are important are like will like um will wisdom and love right the three mm-hmm. so yeah this is where will comes from right and wisdom is purple so this is mm-hmm. and then uh will wisdom and what did i say love 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 yeah. love, love is green yeah mm-hmm. and if you go on your journey and there's just too much of like will or there's too much of wisdom and there's less of love then there's like a disbalance right yeah so mm-hmm. i think like like the green kind of reminded me that okay i have to be more like focus on the heart and you know yes don't be too will or don't be too wisdom or don't be too yeah you know so kind of yeah it's fun like you can talk to yourself like with the colors you know like, yes. I mean, I totally, you're speaking my language here. I yeah. mean, this is stuff that I'm so fascinated by and I'm also like deeply studying and practicing yeah. and exploring in my own just personal journey. And what you're saying about the heart is just so true. Like you can have the most expansive transcendent experiences. Um, but if they can't be grounded in compassion and in love, unconditional love, then they don't have sort of a foothold on this earth plane. Like the heart is where like the earth plane is like neat. Like we need that love and compassion here. Like that's how we interact on this plane of consciousness on this embodied experience. That's why I think it's so perfect that the heart chakra is green. When I think of it in the relationship to our planet with green, you know, being the main color, main two colors are green and blue. And I think exactly that comes down to uh i think just the the act of the practice so earlier i would never think about things like okay what are what are the ways in which this work was created or you know the the sustainability angle or maybe Mm -hmm. being like ethical about it or being like just moving a little bit deeper it was just yes me and work and it was happening you know and now it's like uh, it, and I guess it's because a new um, medium has come into the come into the picture. Um, there's more thought. There's more thought about the history of the textile, the history of 
my association with it you know so essentially mm-hmm. it up and i'm collaging it in so it's it's touching on topics like memory relationship um you know just i guess like things random things are coming together and then creating a new story right yes and that's also making me think about um i guess like what i want to do like do i want to empower because the two biggest causes i feel for are like women's empowerment and mental health right mm-hmm. so not is like you always like you can do your work but then you're like okay you have other verticals like how can you give back to society right yes is yes. it through workshops is it through teaching so i'm in a place right now where i'm kind of thinking about how i can like merge art and like healing you know and just like give something out as a form of a um service like yes service is is key i mean that's the most important part is like how can we use our talents our experiences our resources our knowledge like you know this the Mm -hmm. knowledge of the occult it's so potent like i remember when i just got my hands on this i was like oh my god why doesn't everyone know about this like <laughs> what is wrong like everyone uh, needs to know like we're not this body we have men yeah. we come down here to you know to just finish our karma and like kind of yep. it and you know and along the journey like spread a lot of joy rise together you know so For i sure. think these are things that i've been thinking about and obviously nothing will happen overnight or immediately because it's what you want versus what you need right the universe will always give you what you need <laughs> not necessarily what you want that is so want. true yeah. <laughs> that is so true That's- and what you're saying yeah i mean i'm just so in alignment with you about this idea of service but also this idea of like various ways we can serve like knowledge is important and yeah. i remember as my world started really opening in these spaces some like 15 years ago, where I really started to dive deep into spiritual practice and exploration. Um, I would, especially over the years, being like having the same questions, like, why doesn't everybody know about this? Why yeah. isn't, can't everybody tap into this? Like, why is everyone not interested in it? Because it's like, I know. it's the closest to our nature, our true nature. Like, you know, sit with a bunch of, if you want to say hippies, woke hippies or <laughs> whatever, you know, there's this feeling of being at home there. You're yes. not, you're not bonding on, Oh, we have this in common. We have that in common. No, you're bonding straight at the soul level. Like I remember just last, uh, like two weeks ago, I went to Rishikesh for Krishna Das's concert. Oh sure man. You- Krishna Das. Shout out to Krishna no. Das. If you don't know Krishna Das. Exactly. Oh yeah. No, and and I remember when I was going and I was I got the news in the car. I was coming back from somewhere and my friends were like making fun of me and they're like, I mean, in a joking way. And they're like, no. I'm like, do you want to come? And they're like, no. You know? And I was like, you don't even understand what you're missing out on. You know? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that when I went there, the biggest, then they were, uh, they were telling us, like when he started, there were like 200 people. And now they're like, uh, there were 2,500 people. Wow. Yeah, and uh, when you look around, you you know your home because everyone in that concert hall is has probably gone through hell, has mm-hmm. really hit rock bottom, you know, and has risen to the true uh, reality of the soul, the nature of the soul. Mm-hmm. Found yeah. you know music that they resonate with so deeply, 
and i remember telling myself as said that you know you're not alone on this journey i know i'm not alone but the thing is that when you're not surrounded by people 24/7 who are on this path you do you know not question it but you know what i mean like it, yes of course yeah. you need you need you need to have the of a supportive community that's why like satsang or sangha like is such an essential component to yeah. spiritual practice because it is a hard journey it's not it's not a straight arrow easily. to the top yeah it's not you, a straight you arrow slip. up yeah you can slip very easily like you you it's so easy to miss your meditation you miss your practice at least if you have a group on whatsapp or if you have friends who you can talk to about this you know mm-hmm. you're on the same like i remember when we were in mount kailash we'd hear people taking off doing their kriya at 4 a.m you know and mm-hmm. like sounds of birds and stuff that they had to create but you know we didn't know that at that time and uh, i remember tell, thinking to myself i said they are doing this for a reason right no one's crazy to just wake up at 4 am and be like that and doing all <laughs> you know and i said mm-hmm. that obviously they've gone through much you know they've gone through different avenues of pleasure and realize that this is the most sustainable way right yeah So I think that I'm also at this on this at this point in my life where I want to just make art that I'm feel deeply uh, satisfied with, you know, the process, mm-hmm. the thinking, and then also be very good with my spiritual practice. To be like, there's no question yeah. missing it. You know, it's either so important yeah, spiritual practice because that's the ground. Exactly. Now, if your ground is shaky, then how are you going to create your tantric temples and? <laughs> yes. It's so important. I mean, that's how it's been for me on my personal journey. Um daily practice is non-negotiable. And I'm really grateful to my wife and my family for being so supportive of me cuz not everybody like back to what you were saying before like not everybody is on that everyone is on the journey. Everyone, no matter if you know it or not. Everybody's on the journey. but not everybody is conscious about it or really engaged in sort of like practice in a deliberate way and that's okay. I feel like we all have I love I don't know if you're aware because I figure if you're aware of Krishna Das you probably know who Ram Das was. Oh, he was and he was a huge bridge from to bring eastern wisdom and be able to disseminate it through language in a, such a skillful way for western people. Okay. I find we live in a very special time where east is going west and west is going east and so it's like we're creating this perfect yeah. harmony hopefully between these two very different sort of cultural traditional sort of approaches to reality and we're finding this resonance between them with the attraction a lot of westerners are really attracted to eastern culture and tradition and a lot of eastern people are becoming more attracted to western culture right. and experience and so it's a beautiful exchange i think that we're experiencing But all that being said in terms of spiritual journeys we're all on a spiritual journey some just aren't aware of it yet or certain parts of their journey are just being revealed to them in various ways so to speak and so we can't force somebody to go and meditate and do kriya practice in the morning that's just that won't work but what you can do is hold that frequency for yourself transmit transmit those energies and intentions through your creative act and in that way i see like um the work that you're doing is planting seeds of awakening in the hearts of anyone who sees it and it's just about planting seeds and they will grow in their time 
when it's ready, everything happens in its own season and its own time. But what you can do is sprinkle and spread those seeds of awakening and consciousness all across the globe and everything you do. And that in itself is going to do a huge service because I think I remember I went through a stage on my spiritual journey where I became very overly zealous and like almost preachy to like family and friends. Like you have to meditate, you have to try this, you have to do that. And I, and it was very like unskillful means. And I was really finding myself, I was actually like limiting their ability to get to it. I was actually making them push the opposite direction, you know? So I had to discover like a way of letting things be to like, follow my path and bring that energy into the way I live and into the work that I make. And when I meet kindred spirits who are sort of more conscious of their spiritual journey or on a similar point of their spiritual journey, like yourself, like we can have this shared sense of connection and community satsang, (laughs) so to speak. And that, and you're going to find your people who are on there, but then you still have to engage with the rest of the world. And so that's, what's beautiful about art. I have the community. I think that what I was trying to say is that there's a sense, like, as you said, like you want to, you were sounding too preachy. I think that Mm -hmm. I want to teach, you know, concepts of the occult, whether it's through art, whether it's through a healing school, you know, essentially be a teacher. But I don't want to do it with the intention of, I mean, how you've seen that you can't control, but I think it's the intention really matters. Like why, why are you doing what you're doing? you know yes and um yeah so i think that it's let, let's see what time has in store you know there's also- exactly i think what you do is just continue to dive deep continue to evolve your spiritual practice and your knowledge yeah. um and continue to make art because your art is incredible and i love how you're moving into textiles i remember the other day you're posting some uh some videos of you painting on these uh couches and furniture pieces and they look like your paintings are like crazy i'm like and you're doing it so fast like live your life that way and and then as you as you grow and mature in your spiritual path which you already are doing obviously um you'll find ways of sharing more of the intimate details of your practice with people who are who are ready for that yeah. or ready for those levels of of teaching mm-hmm. um and that is another way of serving Uh, I feel for me, like I'm always willing to go down the rabbit hole with people. Like I'm always willing to dive deep into spiritual discussion, but I've learned to kind of like be thoughtful about when I open those doors and realize when the invitation's there and when it's not there. Um, Because some people are just can be turned off by that. And at the end of the day, I just want to connect with others in whatever way I can. Like, I feel like that's part of the skill of living a loving and compassionate life is knowing how to apply your compassion and your love to various circumstances so that you can, you can maximize your impact and influence in the most positive way. And sometimes that is having a discussion like what we're having. And yeah. Sometimes it's just not, you just can't and do that. All you-, you know, there's, there's so many ways, like sometimes it's just pure silence. If you can share silence and hold space for someone, it's so profound right yes so almost like like coming back to the practice of art it's like you know you are not overdoing a painting if it's not working leave it leave it come Mm -hmm. back to some months come back after it come back it's like a relationship in a way because essentially working on it and when you're working like the painting also telling you something you're telling it something it's telling you something it's a full conversation right and it's a yes 
I think that like life in itself is like that. Like relationships are like that. That you know, it gives you give. It gives you give. So I feel that sometimes when you know relationships don't work out, like they're not meant to be explored. Then you have to because your growth times are different, right? Mm-hmm. It's yes. It's not right, wrong, bad, good. It's just a point of view. So I yep. think that like you know, so many times my art practice teaches me stuff about you know life or relationships and how I should like lead them um I think that coming back again I don't know like textile just fresh in my head so you know that's why I'm like sharing it yeah but I think that's that, great um you know that like for example if I'm like if I'm feeling low or if I'm not feeling like up to it I literally close my eyes and I can just see like freaking carpets and shawls and you know so much color all around and that just gives me hope you know so mm-hmm. I feel you should just find things in life that give you hope or give you bring you joy or you know like where you know that when you're around these things or these people like you you know you you feel awake and you feel yes. inspired yeah yes and the issue sometimes is is people and I've been in these places personally where like you're in such a low point that yeah. like your perspective becomes so narrowed and you can't you can't even access those points that bring you joy or that bring you a sense of connection and and so in those points like sometimes you need a really sharp tool something to break that open yes. and i think yeah i think art can be in certain circumstances a tool to do that yes. at least in my in the idealist version of art i think it can be a tool for breaking open those barriers that we've created of of sort of a limited point of view, a limited perspective, and widening the vantage point again. I find myself always trying to find a way to take my consciousness and zoom to the macrocosmic scale of the universe, the mystery of our own existence in this space and time. And then also narrowing down to the microcosmic world of like how and seeing how those are reflecting. I know you mentioned like sort of a cult or even like um, various types of uh, spiritual traditions. There's always this in the alchemical traditions as above, so below. Yes. As within, so without the way that these levels of perception reflect each other. And so Though that for me is always helpful when I to get out of my own way is to if I notice that I'm being very myopic or very narrow in something, I have to find a way to expand again. Yeah. And when I'm overly expansive, sometimes I can be aloof yeah. to the need of the moment, you know, because you're so open to like this expansiveness. So finding a way to come back. And Balance. so I find it's like is good that's why you're rooting and I feel like being creative people we tend to get uh, ungrounded very easily very very yes. I mean because actually when we're creating like you know the only time when I don't care what I'm looking like is when I'm in the studio because there's mm-hmm. a complete depth of the identity in a way you know uh, mm-hmm. when, and I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this because you know you create yeah. work which from the same uh, frequency and the plane that you know when you're creating you're not thinking about Oh, what am I wearing? Or you know, and and I only now I've started recording myself painting, but I hated being watched in the studio because that mm. was the time, it was it was me time and B it was like really complete submission, surrender, death, you know, because you're a channel at that time. Your hand and your mind are channeling, 
it's not uh, it's a dialogue with god basically yes right? yes uh, y- yes and, it is and now i'm 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 beginning to embrace that okay yes you're a channel and you know now okay don't don't like embrace it embrace it because yes. not everyone is given this gift or you know is given the opportunity to channel so exactly to cultivate the ability i feel like everyone has the ultimately everyone has the ability to do it it's just a matter of of getting there of unraveling all the all the sort of obstacles that keep you blocked correct so that you can get out of your own way and to keep yeah you can get out of your way and to keep coming back like to be it's so easy to be like okay i'm an artist i created one piece and i haven't created anything in three years you know mm-hmm. or four years i think a big thing at least in today's day and age for me personally also is how are you consistent how are you relevant yes. to your own self how are you in doing what you're doing what are you actually doing you know are you just yes. making for it to sell are you making it to you know stir inside are you making there's so many reasons yeah. to create right and the mindset you're creating with So, yes, the mindset is everything too. Like you have to show up and do the work. You have yeah. to show up and be consistent, like what you said. Yeah. That's so important. And some days you're the channeling, the feeling of like time disappearing and just energy moving through you and decisions just being made one after the other without any hesitation. Like some days that's just so powerful there and some days it can be a struggle to get there the mind will come in and want to interrupt or judge or the ego wants to get wrapped up and involved yeah. and you have to just you have to just have this consistency to your practice where you can notice those things and let them go notice them let them go so that you can become ultimately empty like a vessel yeah, yeah. for that energy <laughs> to move through we also like keeping thoughts in our mind whether even if it's while working or even otherwise right like you're you're just keeping the thoughts you're keeping the thoughts now those thoughts are just going to rot you know mm-hmm. you have to as you said you have to empty them you have to and i think that that's where meditation comes in and it is yes. like whoever whoever's listening or whichever artists are like you know here artists or people are here i really think that the biggest thing is like if you can get yourself to do a practice and that do nothing like you know breath work and meditation nothing like it it's so me yes. like just being cleansed and emptied out that you're exactly like, just think i agree everyone out there you got to try yeah. it if you've never That's tried it, it. <laughs> yo. <laughs> yo yo meditate i think it's worth trying and i think there's so many different ways and approaches to doing it like you might have tried one way and like oh this isn't for me but there's probably another form or another type of practice yeah. that will work so yeah. i always recommend like explore for a little bit the various kinds of practice some people mantra meditation is like exactly what's right for their constitution for their sort of the way that their mind works and sometimes sometimes it's more of like a zen type of sitting sometimes it is through like pranayama and breath work and uh sort of asana into shavasana and like starting there or like yeah. yoga nidra like there's so many different ways in which to do it but uh, it, i think it, what ultimately yeah go ahead it helps to get a, a coach or some mm-hmm. a mentor it really helps yeah. because sometimes when we we try to get into it alone i remember when i was 20 i was trying to get into it alone and i realized that you no know, like you need that you need a little bit of guidance experience of someone who's walked it before you know yes. unless you're a complete nerd and then actually like the gyan marg is what you're going through now i'm getting the yeah. call, you know say what i'm getting the calls for dinner now 
Okay. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up here in just a second. I mean, we could keep talking forever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just really am enjoying this conversation so much. I know, and I think we have a, a lot in common. Yeah. Say that again. You, I'm saying we can even connect after. I'm saying that when I saw your page and I saw your paintings, I said, okay, I know why he wants me on his podcast. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, we're, and we're, I think some of your works are also really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're doing is amazing and I'm excited to see how you continue to evolve with the textiles. Um, Just real quick to kind of wrap up, like with what you're saying about uh, meditation, having a teacher or a coach or a mentor, or just even like a spiritual friend, like someone who's just been doing it maybe a little longer just to help get you into it. That is always, that's such great advice to give. And I just think we live in a time where people are more open to this than ever. And so I think we we don't need to hide our practices or hide the fact that we do these things. We should share it because it could inspire people yeah. to want to try. Too many people say that don't share by you sharing. And I said, I am sharing because I remember when I got into it, no, there were, I didn't even hear of people doing these things. It was there. People in my own yeah. family did it, but I wish that they had shared it with me or said, hey, come for yeah. a class. So I really put it out there to be like, look, if anyone is a seeker, maybe they would have heard of it or, you know, they'll catch yeah. on brain. Yes. So I resonate. Yeah. Cause ultimately it changes your relationship with your thoughts and with your mind <laughs> in a way that you can sort of have more empowered sense of like, um, connection to what's underneath all of that. Like you can always come back to this space of open, loving awareness, whenever the mind starts to unravel on you, you have some sort of ground or practice. And um, uh, so it's so powerful. And I look at painting as a form of meditation, like in healing, like when I'm making art and I'm in that zone, I'm, I'm feeling that experience big time, but um, we could keep going forever. I know you got to go. I'm so grateful that you have uh, agreed to talk with me here. I think we're going to have to have another episode some point down the line and, and dive even deeper into maybe, some of the things we've brought up today. Yeah, maybe something about, I don't know, how textile and, or maybe just brushwork or something more meditative and helpful. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. We can just, you know, pick up where we left off and, yeah. and keep going. Because I think there's there's more for us to discuss yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think everything you're doing is amazing. Everybody, you got to check out Sahaya's work. I'll have all the links in the show notes um, and any other links that are important. So uh, we can talk later. You can tell me what you want me to put in there for people. Um, but you have to, you know, definitely follow her on Instagram so you can stay up with all the amazing creations that she's doing. And just thank you so much. I really appreciate you. So grateful to connect and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. All right. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Concerning the Spiritual and Art. Um, If you like what you're listening to, please uh, leave a comment. uh, Give me a rating on whatever podcast platform you're, you're tuning in on. And uh, help me get the word out. Share it with any friends or family, anyone you think might be interested in uh, what I'm doing over here. Super excited to bring a lot more of this content to you. Sending lots of love out to each and every one of you. Peace, y'all.